Welcome to the House Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message by Pastor Stephen Sexton. If you would like to know more about the House Church, please visit our website at welcometothehouse.com or download the House app. We are going to finish our marriage. Have y'all enjoyed this? Hopefully you have. If you haven't, don't say anything. Uh, um, but no, seriously, we hope that you have enjoyed this uh, marriage series. And uh, we're going to be wrapping it up uh, today. If you've missed any of that, I would encourage you to go back and listen on our podcast because we spent a lot of time working because we want our marriages in our church to thrive. We know that people are going to get married, they're going to get remarried, and they're going to stay married. And wherever you're at on that, we want to lay out this biblical framework of what God thinks about marriage. And so I'm going to pray and we're going to get right into it. God, I thank you for what you're doing today. God, I thank you for every life here, wherever season they're at. Father, that season is a season that can grow. That is a season that you can empower them. And Father, that is a season that they can have great influence. Lord, we love you and we thank you for your picture of marriage and what it reveals to us about you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to jump right into this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. I'm going to jump right in here, and and I want to read this. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. Uh, Wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ... So let wives be subject, so let their own wives, um, what am I saying? So let wives be to their own husband in everything, 25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her, that he might sanctify, listen, and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, and that he might present her to himself a glorious church, that having spot or not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. And he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one even hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as the Lord does to the church. For we are members of his body and his flesh and his bone. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And this is a great mystery. Talk about it. Um, Come on. They knew. (laughs) Listen. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Look at this. Nevertheless, let each one of you uh, in, uh, let each one of you in uh, particular, particular so in love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband listen love and respect i want to walk a little bit 
through this. I want to walk a little bit through this. Today we're going to be wrapping up our series on marriage. And I want to just take a moment. If you have enjoyed this series, I'm going to ask you to fill out that connect card. We'd love to hear a story. We'd love to. I was talking to a man uh, the other day and he said, man, secretly our marriage was going through a really, really tough time. And he, we love, both love God. We both love um, each other, but we were just going two different ways and we didn't know it. And as we begin to start talking about marriage, it really revealed some stuff to us. And so I would encourage you to write that down. We've got so many people serving on our dream team. And these are the kind of stories that I'm talking about. We want to know and, and we'll, we'll miss them because we believe that as we sow into this, this church, well, I believe lives are going to be transformed. I believe that marriages are going to be healed. And so we want to hear about it. Today, my assignment is a life-giving marriage. A life-giving marriage. Isn't it crazy that we have to learn everything? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, we have to learn everything. The only thing that we don't have to learn is how to sin. But we have to learn everything else. We have to learn everything else. I'm not talking about that people may not introduce you to different things. But the truth is that we were born with a sin nature. You get two babies in a room and put one toy in the middle. They're not having sharing parties. You understand what I'm saying? They're fighting. Go ahead and get four kids in one piece of candy and see what happens. Okay? That child has to be trained. No, you have it. Because in and of ourselves, we want to only promote ourselves. It's amazing that we have to learn everything. There was a movie that came out a couple years ago uh, called Hitch. You know what I'm saying? Let me see that. This guy knew how to do the work that was necessary to get women interested in the men who were his clients. And he just knew how to maneuver and operate. He knew how the women thought. Come on, I know that was just a movie. And I know, it's amazing when, when I hear uh, people talk about their favorite TV show. And how this guy, oh they just love this guy on this TV show. He is so romantic. Yeah, he has ten writers. <laughs> I could be pretty good too if every word that came out of my mouth I had a script for. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, I'm just drawn. I just have a crush on this guy. He is so good. Yeah, they wrote that. Ten people wrote it. They put it together. They tested it in some focus group. And then he said it. Oh, if my husband could be like, he can never be like that. You understand what I'm saying? I know this is just a, a, a movie, and, and, but wouldn't it be awesome? Just go there with me. Wouldn't it be awesome? Just kind of have that download, that connection, to just know what people need. Come on, to be hitchified. Wouldn't it be just, just awesome to kind of have that download? I mean, I was thinking, I'm not trying to be critical of God or anything like that, but I think that we could vote right now, and I think we could get 90% approval that we could just vote right now. Wouldn't it be awesome if we just knew what other people were thinking and what other people needed? And we knew, men, come on, wouldn't we just love to know how to meet the need of our wife. And before she even thought about anything, we just knew. We just knew. Come on, I think that's going to be maybe a possible conversation that I'm going to just go and I'm going to say, God, you know I mean, you, you, you created everything in seven days. 
but you know you could have helped us out just a little bit more. I mean, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm sure that there's things I don't know. Your ways are much higher than my ways. But I do think it would have helped our marriage if you would have just kind of downloaded all the feelings my wife was feeling and I could have just known and I could have just shown up and when she was thinking about Rose, Rose. When she was thinking about meal, we went to her favorite spot. I just kind of knew how to just make her happy. Come on, has anybody ever thought about that? Listen, that type of upload and information. You know, Katie and I have taken the love language test and the personality test like a million times. We've taken it a million times. And I still have to work like really, really hard to remember in the moment how she processes like when we sit down in a moment, I'm like, oh, you're this. I remember that. I, but I, it's like I forget once I leave that meeting that, oh, you need things. <laughs> like, like you need these, these, these ways to show love or you process it in this certain way. And, and here's the thing is everyone has basic needs. And I think God shows us through Scripture that love cannot be just uploaded or zapped into our mind because love comes through sacrifice. Those moments when you give freely without expecting anything in return, see, that's how love grows. And the reason that God did, did not just upload to us and make it easy on us is because love requires something from you. Love requires something from you. And there's a popular verse that, that many of you may know. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten son that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. Would not perish but have everlasting life. He, here's my thought. is life-giving marriages understand that there is a vital component to self-sacrifice. If you're going to thrive in your relationship, every relationship, come on, let's just be real, cannot be about you. You did not get married for them to meet your needs. You did not get in a friendship to meet your needs. I'm I'm not saying there is no responsibility on your mate to meet your needs, but I'm saying there's an old saying, marriage is not 50 50, it's 100% zero. If it's 50-50, that is a contractual agreement that if you do your end, I'll do my end. But that is not the gospel message. God called us into covenant, and you have to understand a little bit of Bible to get what covenant means. Here's the deal. God made a covenant with his people, and every time they went away, every time they strayed, every time they built altars, every time they did something different, his love for them never diminished. Yes, there were consequences. Yes, there was frustration. Yes, there were times he said, don't bring me praise because you're not, you're giving me lip service, but what I want is action. Yes, there were hard conversations, but God never broke the covenant because I love you. I love you. And I'm for you. And on on the days that you do well, I love you. And on the days that you reject me, I love you. On the days that we're winning and and prophets and priests are coming out, but on the day when I can only find one, I am still in covenant, come on, with you. Marriage is not a contract, it is a covenant. 
It's not, well, they didn't suit my needs or they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. Here's the deal. If you're married, they never will. They never will. They're going to disappoint you. They're going to have moments of disapproval. They're going to let you down. They're going, they're going to do that. And so if it's 50-50, then when you break, we're, we're failing. It's 100-0. Well, what does that mean? Obviously, I'm not talking about abuse. Obviously, I'm not talking about abuse. God gives us clear guidelines. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about natural frustration that moves come on in marriage we're not talking about affair we're not talking about any we're not talking about any of that we're just talking about natural frustration okay so so let's talk about this you know what for all of us the verse that we just read paul sums up his thought by saying women need love and men need respect women need love and the bible you know, we always focus on women's submission, but it was, the verses were longer on men cherishing and, and ushering. And I'm telling you, if you're a man in this place, you are responsible for ushering your wives into health and freedom. You're responsible for that. You love it. You cherish it. You watch over it. You watch over it. There is a part that you play. But here's the deal. That doesn't negate. We both have responsibilities. And let me just tell you this. We cannot both go right and left at the same time. And we are in a world with all of the hurt. I'm telling you, there are hurt and people have messed up and they've done wrong. And just like Katie said, we want to empower women and me too and all of this. And listen, I am telling you that if you've been victimized, yes, there needs to be a voice. But what you really need is a healer. That's what you really need. But so what happens is, because we've been hurt and wounded, now we want to break the system, and now marriages can't function because we're disagreeing over everything. How to parent the kids, what car we should have, where we should live, what we should do. She thinks this, he thinks this, and now there's all this fighting, and our homes look like Congress. And we judge Congress because they can't get it together and they can't, why can't we just lead? Why can't, and now there's these establishing movements that are anti-whatever. It happened for Obama, now it's happening for Trump. They're just people, I'm just, we're not going to go. And I see a lot of marriages like that. We're just not going to go, That we're just not, I'm just digging my heels in. Because what, I, because you t- got taught growing up, well, you, well, you have to, you, you make people validate what you care about. And, and you got to, you got to be independent. And you got to, and I understand that. I have two girls. I am teaching them to be independent. But I have to move them from being self-reliant to Christ-reliant. And if I'm really going to set them up for success, they've got to be able to submit under God's lordship. And if they cannot submit to us and they cannot submit to God, then they, they will have a hard time in marriage. I've got to teach our young men to lead. To lead. And here's the thing. As we do both, it is a self-sacrifice on women and on men, on both of us. It is equal. We both have to die. Come on. In all of our TV shows right now, men are the third child. 
that the wives are raising. In every sitcom, the dad is aloof. He's, he is unaware. He doesn't know what's happening in the home. He doesn't know what's going on. The wife doesn't trust him to babysit the, his own kids. And we wonder why we're not functioning because it was not created to function that way. So women, I'm telling you, you see things different. You get to see the road ahead. There are some things that men just can't see and they don't think about. That was not to make you critical and that was not to make you hold on the reins. That was to make you be a helper and help them see what they can't see. But if you don't come under, then here's the deal. You will lead into division and you may not know it, but you're breaking apart. Does this make sense? Come on, tell me it's good. Some of y'all are like, I don't know. Men, we got we to teach truth because here's the deal. If our only goal in church is to make you feel good about yourself, then we will preach a false doctrine. I know I don't want, I don't want you to feel beat up, but I do want you to feel challenged. Men, there's a role. If she does not trust you, there are two things. Her past has done that, and your follow-through has done that. And all I'm telling you is that both of those things will cause someone not to trust Listen, there's got to be times when you say you're going to do it, you do it. Even if it means I didn't get any sleep last night. Because I am always trying to cherish and nurture this love. And I am holding it. And God never uh, uh, reneged on anything that he said. When he said it, he did it. Men, what I'm telling you is when you say it, you do it. Now, there's a difference between thinking it through. There are times that I have to tell my wife now. I mean, the first year, I would say something, and she'd be like, okay, we're going. And now I'm like, okay, I'm just talking. This is just a brainstorming meeting. We are not going to 17 services. We are not. I'm just talking to you. I'm just talking. And so now I, we put on our thinking hat, and we begin to talk it out. But then I take off my thinking hat when I have her input and I listen to the Holy Spirit and I show her, show her that I value her and then I put on my decision-making hat and I put on my captain hat and now I'm fixing to make a decision. You hear what I'm saying? People come to us all the time and, and you know, we grow up in a society that we don't even know the compromise that we're around. People are like, oh, well, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, people will just joke and they'll say something about our kids or our whatever. And, 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 and it's positive, but they'll say, oh, man, uh, uh, you know, I know you don't know what's going on with the kids, but uh, I know everything's going on. I'm the captain. She informs me on what I need to know. But I run this thing. Wow, that's a little bit abrasive. It's not. My kids don't go up and ask mom after dad has said something. When dad says it, <laughs> they know. I don't have to tell my kids 15 times to get in the car. 
we're getting in the car. Now, I make sure that they heard me and they're not like, I don't talk when they're like out of, hey guys, hey, hey, we're about to leave. Let's go. And they will go. Why? God made me the head. That does not diminish Katie. There's not a decision that we make that she's not involved in. She is helping me steer this whole thing. I have not devalued her. But what I'm trying to do is provide a, 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 what she wants is a family that will serve the Lord. What she wants, come on, is money to be able to pay the bills. What she wants is security. What, there's a lot of things that she wants, and these things, come on, does this make sense? I'm not, I'm not talking about male dominance and putting our finger on people. That is not what the Bible said. The Bible said, men, you give your life. You give your life. I don't have any hobbies. What's my hobby right now? My family. I am giving my life. Do I want to play golf? I, I just do. I just do. I want to play golf. I want to be good at it. I'm not good at it. I want to, do I want to get a motorcycle? I do. I want to, the other day I got a big book. I thought, man, I want to be like Abel. I want to have a motorcycle so bad. I, I think I could be so cool behind a motorcycle. I think I could. I really do. I have a lot of things, and it's not good or bad, but here's the thing. This is what I, this is it. And one day when they all leave, come get that motorcycle. Like, Dad, you're never here. I know. I did my job, baby. Roll on. Listen, I want to give you seven quick attributes. I know you're thinking, oh my God, seven. I'm going to run through these. Seven quick attributes of a life-giving marriage. Seven quick attributes. The first is this. We're talking about life-giving marriage. Number one, a life-giving marriage welcomes the presence of God. We got to welcome the presence of God. Come on, busyness always hurts his presence. We've got to shut off the TV. We've got to shut off busyness. We're, if we take, if, listen, here's the deal. I know that we're trying to raise a family, but here's what I have told my kids. And I, you, you, you don't have to do it my way. I'm just letting you know my way. I, I sat them down about a couple years ago. I drove a, a big, I brought in the whiteboard. I put a big circle around it. And I said, here's our world. This is what we're going to be doing. Your school will want you to make a world. Your friends will want to make a world. This is the world that we are going to sow in. When you're 18, you can make whatever world you want. But right now, this is my world. This is my world. Well, that, that's not fair. Okay, but I have marriages falling apart because every day their kids are at an activity and they can never connect as a family. Come on. Come on, I'm not against baseball or anything. Don't even go where I'm not going. But if you can do it as a family and we're all cheering and all the family has like the kid's name on it. <laughs> Billy! And every time Billy makes a home run, we're all running out there and picking him up. Come on. You can make what you do family. You just need to be all in. You need to be all in. Listen, keeping the presence of God, it, it doesn't mean Sundays. 
Sundays. Sunday is a catalyst to the rest of the day. We're doing it all the time. We're not talking about God or religious things on Sunday. That is our culture that has tried to compartmentalize our secular world and our sacred world. We talk about it all the time. My kids don't hear about God one time a week. My, my wife and I are talking about what God's showing us, what we're getting rid of. Ooh, I mean, I got, I'm jacked up. I got some messes. I got to fix that. How, okay, the, wow, this really produced some insecurity in me. We're talking about God and we're inserting it all the time. Abraham and Sarah had God in the middle. Jo- Joseph and Mary got direction from God. What I'm telling you is God's got to be in the middle of it and it's not one person making the other one. Did you read the Bible today? Why didn't you read your Bible? You're not the principal, you're the mate. You read the Bible and you talk about what you received, but stop opening the Bible and pushing it towards your mate and highlighting the scripture verse and saying, read. You just read and you just do. And you talk to them about what God is doing in you. Come on. And you make a place for the presence of God in your marriage. When God's presence is welcome, the fruit of his character will be there. Encouragement, leadership, correction, conviction, favor, transformation. Love will be manifested because wherever the presence of God is, come on somebody, that's where love is. God is love. Put on some worship music in the house. Pray together every now and then. I remember the first time we'd been married a couple months and Katie was like, she kind of grabbed my hand. We were in the bed and she was like, so do you want to pray? And I was like, no. What's wrong with you? I pray. That's like private. That's like, I had never even thought about that idea of praying together. Like, you want to you pray with me? Ew. You know what I'm saying? Like I had spent all this time making like this great connection with God and now you want to invade it? This is like private. And she was like, oh, well, I mean, don't you think we should pray together? I said, we do at supper. What more do you want? It's just like all the time you want more. But we began to pray. And I remember the first couple times that we prayed together, it was awkward. I I was like, God, hard. Because here's the deal. God demands intimacy. Why would you not share that intimacy with your mate? Why would you not? See, here's the thing. That's all part of making a marriage life-giving in the presence of God. Come on. The second thing, stay grateful. Stay grateful. It takes time. To, to an intentionality to be someone who emphasizes the importance of giving thanks. We've got to give thanks. We've got to. It's so easy to focus on what's not happening and being critical. In every circumstance, God commands us to show honor and respect and thanksgiving. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 says, Giving thanks always for all things to the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if that's everything, then that means your spouse. I am constantly, come on, we got to constantly be grateful. I'm constantly reminded, and here's the deal. Some of us are natural leaders, so you naturally see what needs to be tweaked, better, fixed. But what I'm telling you is if you will always focus on a problem, you will find it. But if you always focus on a win, you'll begin to see more wins. Come on, be grateful. 
Be grateful. Stay grateful rather than criticizing. Leave a note. Come on, send a flower when it's not Valentine's Day. Promote Thanksgiving. And women, when your husband attempts to do something and they mess it up, don't say something that disrespects them. They bought you a flower. It was one. You hate roses. They should have known that. They bought you a rose. And you say, the only reason you did that is because you went to church. (laughs) Take the rose. Break it. (laughs) Come on. You think, thank you. I love this. This is a great rose. I I see you taking effort and steps to love me. I appreciate it. Now, next time you get me a rose, I love this. Could we not make it red? (laughs) You receive what your husband is doing rather than correct what your husband is doing. Come on. And what will happen is when husbands feel like they're winning, they do more. When husbands feel like they're losing, go get your own flower, girl. Come on. That's the reality. Stay grateful. Leave a note. Text each other. Don't text just about details. Come on. You got them emojis? Rock the emojis, baby. Heart, 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 smiley face, heart. I mean, the first time Katie would leave me notes, XOXOXO, I thought we were playing tic-tac-toe. I was like, <laughs> she was like, that's not tic-tac-toe. I was like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know. Listen, look for wins. Don't allow what, what's out of place to be the only thing that you focus on. The third thing is this. Have an agreement in the area of finances. Have agreement in the area of finances. Don't just disagree about all the finances. Listen, set a budget. Set a budget. And budgets are hard. Because guess what? A budget is not something that you set and forget. You you look at it every week. You do manage on it every week. We're going to come together. We're going to talk about the finances. We're going to talk about where we're spending, where we need to spend. What do we want? What do we need? What are we doing? We're going to work a budget. Come on. Life-giving marriages, I'm telling you that the life-giving marriages that I look up to, this is what they do. They're on the same playing field when it comes to money. They, I'm going to ask you this. As a married couple, I'm telling you, you will unlock and see favor in your life if you begin to tithe, if you begin to give. And I'm telling you, I challenge you, if you've been here for a while, even if you don't come back here, you need to find a church. You need to begin to start giving and tithing on a regular basis. And if you're here, I challenge you to do it for 90 days. In 90 days, if you cannot see a direct influence and a direct upgrade in your life, in some area, I will give you all of your money back. I am that committed to it. Because the Bible says when you give, you receive. And we have to have a funnel to begin to give. You've got to, strong marriages do that. The fourth is this. Settle for nothing less than healthy communication. We're not arguing and yelling at each other. Why would we raise our voice? Why would we yell? Why would we, come on. And we raise our voice and we get mad because we're emotional. 
I've had to really look at, okay, I got, I got I to gotta change my, my, I get, I get my, my tone, my what. Come on, what do you need to change? What do you need to do different? Stop attacking. There is topical and relational. If you're at the house and you're, you're, you're married and you, the light is left on, you can say, why didn't you turn off the light? Or, hey, you didn't see that the light was on? What is that? You went relational and now someone feels disrespected. And it was never about that. It was about the light switch. So say topical. Hey, did, the light switch is on. Will you, will you, do you mind turning that off? It's about the light switch. It's not about your car. It's about the car. It's not about, does that make sense? When you stay topical, you can deal with things. But when you go relational, then now it's me versus you and we're fixing the fight. Right. Work on your communication. Life-giving relationships. Work on their communication. Right concepts with the wrong tone makes the conversation wrong. When you're talking, do you feel someone defending themselves? Well, it's too easy to make an excuse and say that's on them. If you're pushing people back into the corner and they need to fight you, that is on how it was given. And we got to change the tone. You want to invite conversation. We want to invite the Holy Spirit. Come on, is this good? Number five. You got to have a healthy sex life. You got to have a healthy sex life. And I'm not tr trying to get more than PG 13, but I'm just telling you, there's a lot of marriages that are just trying to, to go into the bedroom, but they're not having intimacy. They're not talking about it, they just have it. And here's the deal we're supposed to get good at everything. And God gave that to us. Women or men, don't hold that back. It's not your body anymore. You are one body. You are one body. Men, you can't have a, listen, you cannot have a self, healthy sex life and be in porn. You cannot. You will destroy your marriage and it's only a matter of time. Okay, ladies. You cannot have a healthy sex life and always be under depression. You can't because you don't feel good enough. You don't feel pretty enough. You don't, does that make sense? And you're heavy. You're heavy internally. You're, you're going to have to talk to someone. You're going to have to get prayer. You're going to have to cast all those cares on the Lord. Because here's the deal. If we come into the marriage bed with major issues, then major issues are in the marriage bed. But God calls the marriage bed holy. Holy. Come on. We got to clean up so that we can, come on. Come on. We got to clean it up. And that, listen, I'm not trying to put more responsibility on all of us. I'm just saying, hey, come on. What do I need to work on so that we can thrive in this area? The last, I mean, two more. Is life-giving marriages serve together. 
You're going to have to build something together. You have a career over here. He has a career over here. You're going to have to do something together. You're going to have to do something and build something together. That's why we want people to go through framework. If you've been here a while, I want to encourage you. Next week, we have framework. I would love for you to go and meet with our people. Jeff and Hannah are, are leading our framework. They're right here, three, four rows back. Hey, just talk to them. Hey, what is framework? Let them talk to you about it. But I'm telling you why we want people on the dream team. The best thing you can do in your marriage is serve together the best thing that you can do that way you both have a reason for coming and showing up the last thing is this and I'm gonna be done is you got to forgive healthy marriages forgive come on I'm not saying you don't have hard conversations I'm not saying that there aren't moments when it's real but you got to forgive you have you have to Forgive and listen to me you can't you don't forgive one time you forgive every day listen you keep forgiving until you die It's not until death does your part Whoo! glad he's gone now. I can be bitter You forgive until you go I forgive you I forgive you I forgive you seven ways that our marriages can be healthy. I hope that you enjoyed this series. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with all of our couples, all of, all of our people. Here's what I want to tell you. God has great things for your marriage, for your marriage. Your mate may have hurt you, disappointed you. Maybe they underdelivered. They're not perfect. Here's what I can tell you. You've underdelivered. <laughs> You've disappointed them. You're not perfect. We both need grace. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message ministered to you. Feel free to let us know on the Connect tab of the House Church app. We hope you have a great week.